Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The work of photographer Craig Law is included in an exhibition at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art at USU. The exhibit is called Sky Above, Earth Below, A History of Western Landscape Photography. You can view that exhibition at artmuseum.usu.edu. Craig Law is a USU professor emeritus of photography, and uh, today on the program we're going to review highlights from his career so far, talk about some of his ongoing work, and we'll talk about uh, some of the history of photography, including older and more modern techniques. Bolton Colburn, curator of collections and exhibitions at the Art Museum, is joining us as well. And we begin our conversation with Bolton Colburn and the origins of the exhibition Sky Above, Earth Below. We wanted to do an exhibition that that dealt with the photography component of the collection because um, it's it's a significant chunk of the collection here um, at the museum. And um, we also wanted to lay some contextual work for a photography exhibition um, of the work of a, an artist named uh, David Mysell. And we were in the process of um, Katie Lee Coven was in the process of curating an exhibition of his work, um, which is to go upstairs in the museum. So we wanted to provide a context for those photographs. Um, and it led me into the pursuit of looking at um, landscape photography here in the collection. And it seemed to me one of the most natural things for the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art to collect in terms of photography was landscape-based photography because... Um, it is the uh, natural wonder here. <laughs> Much like if you were on the <clears throat> on the coast in California, it would be the Pacific. So <laughs> here it's the landscape. So um, it went about taking a look at the uh, photography collection in terms of their holdings of landscape photography and, and um, found a lot of material, <laughs> which was great. And then curated timeline, basically starting from about the turn of the nineteen turn of the twentieth century up until um, uh, current times. So, and took a look at that history and sort of divided it up into periods and um, went from there. And that's when I discovered Craig's work um, and the work of of his mentors and colleagues here at USU, which is significant. Um, so uh, let me turn to, to Craig. I want to, to maybe start at the beginning or near the beginning. Um, when did you develop an interest in photography? I uh, started back in my 20s, and I'm in my 70s now, so about 50 years ago. And, uh, and I, my association with uh, USU started in 1971 when I came here as an undergrad from the U because they didn't have a photography program. Mm-hmm. And so I did undergrad here, uh, and then they brought on a new faculty member uh, in photography, and so I stayed for my MFA degree here as well and, and uh, finished that in 75, and then worked for a couple of years in Salt Lake, and then I came uh, back to USU in 1977 as a, uh, a lecturer, because <laughs> I, I hadn't done my paperwork on my MFA degree yet, so... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, developed interest in your twenties. How did that manifest itself? What uh, you just started snapping photos? What What did you do? Do yeah, I I just uh, you know was a like I say a student at the U, and I just I loved the landscape, and uh, you know I lived here all my life, and and so I I uh, made a a, um, a scholarship by being the journalism. Um, photographer or the head photographer for their chronicle, their student newspaper. And when I wasn't doing that, I was up wandering the canyons, photographing, you know, with larger format cameras and uh, really getting into, you know, landscape work a lot. And um, and yet that was mingled with all of the sports photography and the ballet and modern dance that I got to do too. And, and um, but the landscape was always, you know, kind of my retreat or my my major interests, and uh, then when I uh, did come up here to USU, that continued to manifest itself. I 
uh, done you know quite a few other subjects uh, for a while, but uh, landscape's been the dominant uh, part of what what my subject has been. I'm reading an artist statement here that uh, Bolton sent to me. Um, the capabilities of the medium of photography to make a sensitive visual record of a place in time has been a major interest for me. Um, uh-huh. Photography is able to make a sensitive visual record of a place in time. Tell me about that. What what appeals to you so much about that? Um, I think uh, what I was saying with that a little bit is we, uh, especially in our you know, latter cultures, but it's been going on actually since, you know, immemorial that uh, man changes the landscape. And so making a record and trying to do it sensitively to show how, you know, man has altered the landscape and yet the beauty that is still there and then the kind of the natural landscape in contrast to the the man-altered landscape, that was a, you know, a major theme for me for a lot of years. You mentioned some uh, predecessors, I guess maybe influences. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh-huh. William Henry Jackson, Timothy O'Sullivan, Alexander Gardner, C.R. Savage, George Edward Anderson, John Hilliers, or Hillers. Uh, uh, maybe take one or two of those and tell me about them and what influence they had. Uh, the uh, I remember seeing uh, George Edward Anderson's work down at the Springville Art Museum. They found a lot of large glass plates of his work, and he was kind of the village photographer, but he also traveled a lot, and he had a great sense of history and of, uh, you know, the time that he was living in. And uh, and to see that uh, that uh, exhibit, and then they, uh, one of, I think one of the universities in uh, Texas did a printing of it, uh, and then it got a lot of national press attention. This was in the 70s. And uh, I just was really, really impressed with that. That he didn't do just, you know, his the livelihood was the uh, was the portrait trade, uh, but he'd photograph the uh, farmers out on, the, you know, out harvesting. There's some wonderful images of that, and uh, so the everyday things that happen. And I realized when I was looking at that that I was looking at my grandparents' generation, and I'd heard them talk about, you know, uh, some of the machinery and the the manual labor involved in harvesting at the turn of the century. Um, that's 1900 to the uh, 2000s. And uh, it just really touched me that that could move me so much that it that I really valued seeing, you know, the things that I had heard about. It just gave me more of a, a tie to the, the past. And so I kind of wanted to do something like that in, in uh, showing things to the future. You, another uh, sentence here in this statement, uh, you, you say their subjects, talking about these these uh, gentlemen that you, uh, the predecessors, their subjects are oh. often the same subject as those I photograph. Because of the images they made 100 to 150 years ago, I feel I can photograph better. So so how so? You feel you can photograph better? Uh, well, uh, I think uh, some, you know, thinking about significance of uh, what, it is on photographing, how it fits into society. Uh, you know, Timothy O'Sullivan photographed out here all up and down the rail lines. He was hired by the, the railroads to do that. Um, and this was after he'd been a Civil War photographer. And uh, so he really had a sense of, uh, of the time and the purpose, and I think in that way, uh, of what he was doing, a sense of time and purpose of what he was doing. It helped me kind of think of that and and focus on uh, what it was I you know was doing, um, similar to George Edward Anderson and William Henry Jackson was a similar person. He did these wonderful photographs of Yellowstone and helped Yellowstone become a national park. Uh, I think that was a major tool in getting the national park service uh, national park system going. Were those early photographs uh, by? Jackson, and then the, the painter Moran, um, he did a lot too, but the visual imagery influences public perceptions. And that's really, you know, when I think about what I'm doing right now, photographing a lot of the Native American rock art, I think that's really the crux of why I feel justified in doing this, so I can have some influence and uh, on, on public perception, public opinion, you know, making things seem, you know, or letting them know that I think they're really important. And I think these photographers did a very similar kind of thing. Uh, 
As we go along, I definitely want to talk about Barrier Canyon uh, and other places that you've photographed. Uh, uh, we'll hold that uh, for just a little later in the conversation. Yeah. Um, in the statement, uh, you said something else striking. Um, you say that uh, your audience is both those of you viewing and reading this right now, uh, but also viewers of the images 150 years from now, and that, that you think about that. Do you think that changes yeah. <laughs> the way you photograph, or what, 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 how, how does that manifest itself, do you think? Yeah, I don't know if it changes it, but I, I just have that kind of uh, a desire, you know, and, you know, I wonder what, you know, the world will be like then and whether, you know, conservation and preservation of imagery can, can last that long. But I'm hopeful uh, because I think if we, the more we know our history, uh, and I'm, so I'm a visual historian, I guess, um, that I think the better uh, choices we can make as a society. Hmm. Uh, let me go back to Bolton Colburn. Uh, so we've talked about some of Craig Law's influences, the people that he's studied. Um, I believe Craig Law himself, I don't, I'll, maybe I'll ask Craig Law this, but I'll, I'll have you um, uh, speak to this first, um, his influence on photographers that have come after after him. Oh, boy. Um, well, he, you know, he was here... Um, as a student, as as you mentioned earlier in the in the in the talk here, um, with uh, a number of other students as well, and uh, there's a couple that are in the exhibition included um, in his section of the show, uh, and they're all dealing with um, the city of rocks as subject matter, and the other two are Mary Peck and, and Rich Wilder, so. Um, you know, it looks like there's a whole, whole cohort here um, at one point that was sort of focused on uh, pretty much the same um, subject matter. Uh, of course, they're all approaching it a little bit differently, but they also shared a lot of common similarities um, that, that Craig just articulated. Uh, so um, that, that's really great. And I, Craig, Craig's presence here after he um, got, became faculty was significant and it, would, it lasted for a long time and just uh, uh, having you know picking up the baton from um, from R.T. Clark uh, in terms of uh, being the photo um, photo professor here uh, on staff is, is incredibly important and, and uh, helped maintain our tradition of photography here at USU and that was a Tradition of photography that was sort of had been built up over the years, um, you know, and, and um, you know, really started off with, uh, as far as I understand, and I think uh, Craig can correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, Harry Rubens Reynolds um, uh, changed from uh, being a painting professor here, uh, and he, um, in, in terms of his own work, and changed from a painter to a photographer. Uh, mainly due to the advent of um, of cibachrome and the <clears throat> the fact that it um, became a, a medium that could be used, uh, and um, he really liked that and sort of started things off here. But um, along with with, with uh, Harry Harry Reynolds, I mean the campus was also visited by um, the likes of Ansel Adams. So those are those are some of the influences that um, occurred before Craig. Um, really got active here on staff, but you know after he left, there's certainly their tradition of landscape photography um, continues, and it continues on to this day. Um, and I think he, you know, he's the main, you know, the, the person that hold, you know, held down the fort, and he definitely um, for a long time, and made that continuity in terms of focusing on the landscape and the importance of the landscape and the importance of the tradition of, of, of landscape photography um, go here. And he's also a um, photographer that's very interested in, in photography processes. And that certainly shows up in a lot of work um, uh, of some of the students that, that he taught here. And um, there is uh, some wonderful work in the show um, in a later portfolio um, by some of the artists that um, he he taught, and 
uh, one of them is a photographer named Anderson, and she continued uh, with a very rich tradition of, of taking uh, black and white photography and using some very interesting processes uh, to develop that photography and chose um, as subject matter the Great Salt Lake. So <clears throat> that's of interesting. And, I mean, that's of interest as well, and you can see Craig's legacy through, um, through her work, work quite well. Uh, so Craig Law, you're you're um, you've taught many students. What uh, what did you try to instill in in them? And I, I'm sure you're proud of some students, that, that, as were mentioned, that have have taken <laughs> off and, and done some great work. Yes, it, that's been a, a delight to to be associated with them and continue to you know be a part of their lives. Some they come visit quite often, so and then I get to go visit them some. Uh, too, and I think we're going to do some joint exhibits here uh, with a couple that ended up uh, in the South, in the Florida areas. And, and uh, But in the teaching, I think, uh, like R.T., I thought he was a masterful teacher, and he taught me not to, to uh, dictate or direct too much, but uh, ask the questions that would get them to understand the visual problems that people were having, and their own visual identity that, you know, starts to establish its, itself. It's an interesting process. Somebody starts to photograph, and uh, in a year or two, you know, they can show you a contact sheet of, of you know, their last, uh, you know, sojourn out uh, photograph. Uh, you know, some were doing portraits, some were doing nudes, some were doing, you know, landscape work. But they have, they develop a unique style, and that's really one of my major uh, purposes that I, you know, I gained that from RT. He didn't try to make me photograph like him, but he he tried to help me understand my own vision and my own insights, my own uh, artistic structure to how an image comes together, and that's what I have tried to do. And, and so that the unique personality uh, of these students can be visible in the work that they do. Uh, it might have some, you know, reference to me, and I'm, you know, flattered when that happens. But uh, many, uh, it's very, very different work. I'm, you know, more of this literal, you know, photographer, and some who have done really remarkable work. Um, uh, there's a Steve Smith that came, uh, and Steve's the head of photography now to, at the, uh, oh, the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the school. Uh, in uh, uh, in uh, in the East Coast, uh, anyway, uh, I'll I'll think of it here in a minute. Yeah, but, but Bolton, uh, I think you I think you were saying the name. Yeah, I thought it might have been uh, Rhode Island School of Design. Right, Rhode Island School of Design. So he's you know he, uh, we got him into graduate school at Yale. I had a friend there, and um, and then he you know uh, uh, now is head of uh, Rhode Island School of Design's photography program. But he does, and he does landscape work. But uh, you know, the thing that he became known for was his photographs uh, of uh, freeways, and it's in color, and he did it in digital, and uh, you know. But it is, you know, kind of tra uh, landscape work. Yeah, you know, he's a Utah kid that uh, hung wallpaper all the time he was going through to school to pay for his undergraduate degree. But it's just been a delight to see his career and how that has gone. Uh, you know, he, uh, uh, and I think he's really been a fine, fine teacher. And, uh, you know, was, uh, but uh, it's a good example of, you know, what I kind of wanted to do in my teaching to, you know, to help him understand the, you know, the things that he could do and do them in a genuine and a real way. And I think he's done that very well. Um, so that, uh, I'm probably getting off the track. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's great. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with photographer and a professor emeritus at Utah State University, Craig Law. And we're also talking with Bolton Colburn, curator of collections and exhibitions at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. You can view an exhibition at the Art Museum, uh, including the work of Craig Law. It's called uh, Sky Above, Earth Below. And that's at artmuseum.usu.edu. We'll have more following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Angie's. 
thanking Cache Valley for ongoing support during this difficult time. Dine-in, curbside, and delivery available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Looking forward to seeing and serving customers. Information and menu available at angiesrest.com. Did you know that students with disabilities can go to college? Students from all over the nation with disabilities want to have careers, and many are taking college classes. As these young adults learn to socialize and interact with others, they live with roommates and receive support from mentors, tutors, and assistive technology. Students become more independent as they find internships and employment leading to meaningful career paths. Students with intellectual or developmental disabilities can thrive in a higher education environment as they explore the full college experience. This segment of Did You Know That? has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. You're listening to Access Utah. You're listening to a conversation with photographer Craig Law. He's also USU professor emeritus. We're talking as well with Bolton Colburn, curator of collections and exhibitions at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art at USU. Uh, Bolton Colburn, you made reference, I think, to Kimberly Anderson. Yeah, that's uh, right, Kimberly yeah. Anderson. Yeah, uh, transitioning within landscapes. We had uh, her on the program uh, uh, a while back, uh, she she uh, did, did some very interesting work. Um, photographs of the Great Salt Lake, then using salt from the great uh, from the from the lake to to process the photographs. I think that uh, that that is a continuance of the 19th century work that I you know I love to have established that tradition that uh, that I you know I think I helped you know the students and I wanted to help the students that they would, you know, keep these old processes alive. And as they went out into the world to teach and to exhibit and do that, that we were still doing, you know, things from the 19th century. I guess that's another thing that I enjoyed, you know, so much from these early photographers, where I was looking at images from Colonial Web Plate, uh, you know, from a lot of other printing processes, albumin prints, platinum prints, uh, photogravure prints, and I just felt like we needed to keep those alive and, uh, you know, pass them on to future generations. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I guess that's the impulse, keep those processes alive, I guess, that connection to the past. So that's why you yes. wanted to do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you talked about, about a few of those. Are there any others you'd like to talk about, these processes that you want to keep alive? The one that I kind of specialized in and did, you know, taught a lot of workshops, uh, you know, all across the U.S., uh, was carbon printing, and uh, that was an 1870 process um, where that they knew could be a permanent image because it's basically you make gelatin-like sensitive and you put pigment in it, and they traditionally put carbon pigment in, and uh, uh, it was developed in France, and then the the British they started to make the tissue, this carbon tissue to make the print. Uh, in rolls in the 1880s. And so anyway, being able to revise that, and uh, it's a really lovely print to look at. I remember seeing some as I was a student and deciding I was going to learn how to do that. And so I did, and it was kind of like reinventing the wheel because nobody was doing it uh, very much. And there were quite a few of us actually in photo uh, education that started to, to, you know, Re, rework that and figure out how you could do it with modern chemistry and and uh, and so we you know share knowledge back and forth and uh, it was really a delightful thing. It took about six years for for me to get you know from where I wanted to do it until I could teach it to somebody else. Hmm. Do you, do you still uh, in this age of digital photography? Uh, do you still have to have special equipment to be able to process the photographs in this old way? Uh, I uh, actually I can make uh, enlarged negatives digitally with my you know printers here at my home, uh, and then I can make the emulsion to make the print from that enlarged negative over in my wet darkroom, which is just through the wall from where I have the digital you know lab, and uh, so it uh, you know 
actually the digital negatives that I make are some ways better than I could do in the wet dark room, you know, before I, uh, you know, had, you know, uh, digital capability. So it's, it's been a, a, for me, a very, you know, enriching, you know, and made my life a little simpler to have the digital world. Uh, I, um, I can work either from a digital image that I've made from, uh, you know, uh, the newer cameras, uh, or I can go back into my archives of film and scan them in digitally and then make these enlarged negatives for the, the printing. Uh, you need an enlarged negative on all of these 19th century printing processes because those emulsions were very, very slow. And they were using, you know, contact printing frames to do their printing. It wasn't until, you know, the late 1800s that they started to have enlargers and things like that. Mm. And uh, these processes that I've, you know, kind of specialized in are ones that came before, you know, the late 1800s. Uh, this puts me in mind of a conversation I had, an interview I did uh, oh, a few months back with Daniel Davis with uh, He's with yeah. US, USU uh, Special Collections Archives. Uh, he yep. well. put together a book recently across the continent, The Union Pacific Photographs of Andrew Joseph Russell. And uh, yes. interesting uh, topic, uh, Andrew Joseph Russell, uh, you know, photographed uh, Union Pacific uh, Railroad and, and uh, over over several years. Um, but but he, Daniel Davis said he, he made a point of going to the spots, trying to find the exact spot where Andrew Joseph Russell had made his photographs. And it it, oh, yeah. it it made it made him even more appreciative. Uh, he could just you know climb up climb up the the rock face or the mountain, but he didn't have to. He wasn't carrying this bulky equipment that Andrew right. Joseph yeah, Russell they, were, was. they had yeah they had uh, carry glass plates and the big cameras and a portable darkroom and the chemistry with that collodion wet plate that was just horrendous. <laughs> So you don't have to do that nowadays. Um, no, I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you just joined us, we're talking with Craig Law, uh, who's a photographer uh, and uh, professor emeritus at, uh, from Utah State University. We're talking with Bolton Colburn from the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art as well. Uh, I want to talk... Um, is, uh, Bolton Colburn made reference uh, to, to this, a, a colleague, I think, uh, Craig Law, who transitioned from uh, being a, a, an artist, a painter, to being a photographer. That's an interesting transition. H. Reuben Reynolds. I, that's how I knew him. Um, and uh, uh, I, uh, when I first came here as a student, uh, that was the time that I got to know him, and I'd go over every once in a while and help him in his dark room, uh, you know, arranging things, cleaning up, and fixing a few things for him. And um, he was really a character, a delightful, strong unique personality, uh, and that transition. I always thought that was amazing. I really loved his paintings, and I could see, you know, how he uh, did that transition and uh, uh, and enjoyed the process, you know, and, and uh, using all of his visual you know, capabilities. Um, I think I, I, I love his, uh, his uh, paintings in color, probably a little more than his photographs in color, but he had materials to work with that, you know, a lot of them are faded by, by a lot now, so it never looks, you know, quite as good now as it was when they were freshly made. Um, the black and whites, however, they're lasting very, very well. Mm. But he was uh, a real strong personality, and uh, he was the teacher of Archie Clark, who was my major teacher, and uh, uh, so, you know, he uh, just a you know, a very insightful man, I think, to understand uh, how that would benefit so many of us that have been able to make a, uh, a, uh, a living to have a profession in photography. Uh, you know, here at USU, it, um, the, you know, we were way be, way ahead here at USU in photography than, the, you know, any of the schools in the region. So that was a delight. Uh, so that's an entry into a, into a question I wanted to ask. So painting and photographer, obviously different mediums, but in terms of artistic vision, not so far apart, right? You're as a, as an artist, you have a vision that you're trying to convey, uh, whether it be uh, I don't know thoughts, ideas, emotions. Photography, similar thing, I guess. Uh, I think I think so. I have seen some of my students make the transition the other way, uh, become uh, painters or uh, printmakers for their uh, 
you know, their major efforts. And I, you know, I felt very comfortable about that. Um, I, I don't think they're, you know, I, I think it's where, you know, things make the most sense to you. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the, the medias that we work, mediums that we work are different. Um, there's conceptual photographers that are doing really avant-garde wild things that are very comparable to, uh, you know, installation artists that I know are doing some really wild things. And they often use some of uh, the photography mediums and, and they're real realistic, uh, uh, painters that I know that, uh, you know, photography is their major tool for gathering the materials and, and even making, you know, starting the process of making uh, design uh, decisions about how the image, you know, is going to fit together. Um, they have the luxury of being able to, you know, uh, put things in and out, or at least they did. Now with uh, the digital realm, you know, we can do this, you know, some of the same things. So anyway, it's it's just differences in media. And I think in how it, how it fits you the best. And for me, I just I always like these mechanical tools. And, and then how, can I, how far can I manipulate those tools? Uh, Bolton Colburn, I want to get your ideas on this idea as well. Um, the, 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 the artistic process, artistic vision. Um, and sometimes we think of photography just in popular conception. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture this moment in time, right? I'm going to get this portrait of my friends or family or whatever it is. But uh, we get into the world of uh, what you might call artistic photography. It's, I'm guessing, kind of a similar deal. The, the photographer has a vision that they're trying to convey. Right, and you know, I I think uh, you know, seeing this, seeing this, seeing this exhibition, and seeing how photographers and photography has been treated, you know, over the last hundred, hundred and fifty years is is pretty interesting because there's been a lot of twists and turns in in terms of how it's being used and why it's being used, and uh, and <clears throat> you know, it's it's interesting because I, I always think of I think it was Baldus, John Baldessari, who's a conceptual artist and. Southern California, um, who I think was the person that said, you know, uh, photography is the act of pointing, um, which <laughs> which is kind of an interesting way of looking at it as well. But um, I I I do think it's 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 fun to take a look at photography now and how artists are using photography and how quote unquote photographers use photography and sort of their, the different ways that they're looking at it. But I mean, I certainly agree with Craig in that, um, you know, and we're kind of living in this post-conceptualist age, but, you know, the idea with conceptualism is the, is the idea that the idea is what you should be concerned, concerned about, um, executing and the medium is something that follows you, sh- you should be, apl- be applying a medium that's 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 more you know that's appropriate to your idea so um it's quite different than the way um pictorialists for interest for instance uh looked at at, at their work and these are um photographers that were um shooting at the um brown um 1890, uh, 1900, and they're actually using photography in a completely different way and, and trying to ape um, the mediums of, of uh, painting or printmaking. So things have changed quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Craig Law, um, when you're doing, and you've done a lot of landscapes, when you're doing landscapes, what to, what's your goal? What do you, what do you hope people get out of those? Um, they're, uh, uh, now I think it's just more, uh, well, the, you know, I'm, I'm doing this rock art on the, in the landscape, the Barrier Canyon style project. And, uh, there I really want them to have the feeling of the visual experience of, of, of uh, seeing all kind of that I see in front of me and, you know, the uniqueness of, uh, these incredible paintings and, uh, in this uh, idyllic uh, uh, landscape situation, a lot of time they're like oases in the desert, and uh, so just very, very unique places that I know, you know, a lot of people, most people are not ever going to be able to be to 
too, and yet I'd like them to look at that and see that or how unique and rich it is to be sympathetic to conservation efforts. And, you know, and I think about that when I'm taking the picture. If, you know, if I can make it uh, as beautiful as I possibly can uh, and as clean and clear as I possibly can for them to experience, you know, what the, the painting really looks like, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, is, you know, if I do it, you know, this way, is that going to help them feel more sympathetic to, you know, uh, you know, uh, thinking positively about, you know, this incredible history that we have on those walls? As people don't know, Barrier Canyon is in Canyonlands, is it National Park? And it's uh, the, the it's, it's, it's kind of in Four Corners area. Mm-hmm. It okay. centers on the Colorado Plateau. Yep. Yeah. And this, this, these are prehistoric peoples, right? Uh, pictographs and petroglyphs, thousands yeah, of years. Back, yeah, thousands of years old. And uh, I, uh, some of the earliest inhabit, inhabitants coming into the area, um, the, uh, some of the carbon dating that they've been able to do now on, you know, actually some of the uh, organic material. It's in the paint that has fallen off some of these sites. Uh, we're getting dates of, you know, 5,000 years ago to 8,000 years ago on, on some of them. And you had asked me kind of uh, what I was thinking about wanting the image to, you know, the result of the image to be. And uh, I think the way I describe it, one, I'd like it to be a, a good uh, record of, of what, the, what it looks like, you know, in, uh, you know, in you know, 2020. And uh, and that I do all that I can to make that as permanent as as possible, and in the you know the photographic record that I'm making, and then I think about it, you know, uh, being seen by uh, maybe seen by you know more than just the archaeological community that I uh, associate with so so deeply, uh, that it might be out in public sometime, and I and I'm trying to make it seem as attractive and, and rich uh, for those viewers that are, you know, are never going to be to a site like, you know, the one that I'm in front of down in the desert where I've, you know, spent a day on a four-wheel drive road and then another day walking into the site and then you're back, you know, you're in for two or three days and then you come back out. So it's quite an effort, you know, to get there. And I know they can't do that. So I want to give them the experience of being there um, in as rich and, uh in a meaningful way as I can by the photograph, the still photograph that I make that they see on a on a gallery wall, mm. and uh, and and so that I can hopefully influence them in a positive way to be sympathetic to the idea of uh, preserving and conserving you know Native American rock art and realizing that it's a, an exceptional part of our human history. Do you uh, do you think about those artists from thousands of years ago that the, the made those petroglyphs and pictographs? You bet I do, because uh, I'm you know oftentimes picking up you know uh, chips from you know uh, you know you find their artifacts. Uh, uh, we go in you know a lot of times to uh, protected sites by the National Park Service, and so we have to be very careful. And you know it's uh, uh, you know done things like finding you know a uh, the remains of a leather sack with uh, yeah, yellow pigment in it that they were using, you know, uh, to mix it with probably deer blood or something like that to make a a uh, kind of a thick, you know, paint that they then put on the walls up there. And occasionally, you know, you see other artifacts that have to do with their painting. And um, and so it, you know, you, you know, it's uh, thousands of years ago that they stood there, but they were there. And yeah, I just think about that a lot. And then as I walk the landscape, I think about you know what things you could gather to to uh, feed you know to feed yourself and your family, uh, the hunting that you could do, and and uh, you know nearly always you know these images are along the 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 uh, waterways that they would traverse as they went from the lower elevation you know camps that they had in the alcoves and and things uh, in the uh, uh, you know, along the rivers, uh, in the uh, you know, along like the Colorado and the Green, and then the higher elevations when they get up into the mountains, they're doing hunting. You know, in the summer times, and uh, we find imagery all along those paths. That's one of the things we watch and think about in the landscape. Is this a, 
a stream, you know, or is this something that would have, you know, carried water thousands of years ago and, and, and been a life, you know, source for these people as they moved, you know, through the landscape. So I, I'm thinking about them all the time. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're uh, talking with photographer Craig Law and with Bolton Colburn, who is with the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art at Utah State University. We'll have more of this conversation following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah State University Extension. With berries and fruit in season, jams, jellies, and spreads work well for preserving the harvest. For well-set fruit, closely follow the recipe and don't adjust the sugar amount. Information at canning.usu.edu. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We reached our last segment now with photographer Craig Law. He's also a USU professor emeritus. Uh, we're also talking with Bolton Colburn, uh, curator of collections and exhibitions at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art at Utah State University. And uh, the work of photographer Craig Law is included in an exhibition called Sky Above, Earth Below, A History of Western Landscape Photography. You can view phot- photographs and take a virtual tour of that exhibition at artmuseum.usu.edu. One of the uh, kind of a series is an interest of yours is waterways, right? And you mentioned waterways there. You you photographed a lot of waterways. Uh, an interest yes, earlier, in, yeah. Before I yeah, before I did the uh, the rock art imagery. So yeah. so what were you trying to do with the with the photographing waterways? Um, I think uh, there it was more uh, the what building reservoirs and dams and uh, diverting water has done to the landscape. I think that's really what I wanted to make a photographic record of more. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, on sabbaticals uh, and traveled quite a bit in Germany. Um, And uh, the parks that they had there and their waterways, I really thought about them a lot and how they were meticulously cared for. They were, you know, sanctuary. That's where, you know, urban... Germans would go to, you know, uh, recover from the figures of a day uh, or, you know, anyway. Uh, and a lot of our, our Western landscape uh, areas around the rivers, we, you know, we'd use them for dump sites. We'd uh, build homes right up to them, and it wasn't ever public. You didn't have public access. And, again, I think I was thinking about that in some of the lectures I did at that time. You know, I kind of talked about what we, you know, had done with the landscapes. Uh, that we, you know, had that had these rivers going through because as a kid, those were always, you know, the, the little paradises that I'd love to go to. And um, I remember as I came back from a sabbatical once looking at the, the Logan River coming through Logan, and we didn't have any of the parkways and the trails at that point in time, not even in the canyon. And uh, so it just wasn't kind of thought of very much. And now to see this transition that's going on, I, you know, I don't think I had, you know, a great influence on that, but I was thinking about that, and that's why I was doing the photographs to see if I couldn't remind people of how, uh, you know, how often we make mistakes in what we do in the landscape with the building and and and, and changing of land of the rivers, but how we can do it better uh, too, uh, because I, you know, I photograph the ugly and the beautiful, and then try to compare them together in the landscape mm. or in the in the exhibits that I do. Do you think uh, photography in general can make a difference like that? Do you think your photographs have made a difference like that? I, I, you know, I hope mine do. I don't know as they do. But as I've, you know, studied the history of photography and thought about it, and, you know, I know that photographs have made a difference in my life. Uh, you know, like the, like looking at my grandparents' past and thinking about hard, how hard they worked and how thoughtful they were and, and uh, insightful in, you know, what would work and what wouldn't uh, in terms of survival in the landscape. And survival is, you know, uh, doing things that are in a rich and meaningful ways. You know, I was in the Vietnam War era, and the images that came there, I know that they changed public opinion so uh, strongly to, you know, uh, the anti-war movements that, I photographed and, you know, was a part of, uh, you know, at the U when I was a journalism photographer. And uh, so anyway, it's, uh, I think, you know, I, I profoundly believe that photographs can have influence on public perceptions and understanding and, 
and uh, and it and you know it may be you know in a minor way the landscape work that I do you know will have an influence that way. I know that others that I have seen, I uh, the J. Mizell exhibit uh, was so uh, moving to me and strong, and I've you know thought a lot about the Dugway Proving Ground and and what that looks like now and him you know showing us that and i think it's going to be a, a for you know hundreds of years a an exceptional reminder of of uh, you know what you know uh, what something like that can do to a land um bolt culburn i want to ask you the same question do you do you think um and you talked about earlier when you were kind of giving an overview of uh, some of the ins and outs of uh, how photography and art have uh, have changed over the years um, there at least have been periods, and uh, and I'm sure still today, where you know the artist is seeking or hoping for through their their art um, social change. Yeah, I you know I pretty much concur with what uh, Craig had to say. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But you know, even to to extend that out further, I think uh, uh, everybody now days. <laughs> Uh, is a photographer in, in in a way that 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 you know uh, even 15 years ago they weren't, and that and that's because of the advent of of the the um, camera in your phone, and you know what that what that's done um, has been tremendous, especially in regards to civil rights and when anybody sees something going wrong, you know you just take out your phone and you can film it. Um, I mean that that's brought about a lot of of public notice and and as a consequence change um that's been significant so and I also think you know I think it's it's amazing that just you know ordinary people are walking around with these devices and they take them out and they use them and they're they're de facto photographers and so I mean the use of photography in our lives has changed exponentially and um, I think it's it's a great thing uh, Craig Law do you uh, I don't know if you have an iPhone or, or whatever do you snap photos with <laughs> with your device I do you know and I just think God you know this thing is doing you know the, the you know the little you know uh, cameras in these phones that we have the quality of them has gotten so good I'm just amazed at uh, what they can do but the thing that I have to do is figure out how to control it all because I hate automatic stuff. You know, my large, you know, larger uh, digital cameras, you know, I turn everything off so that I have, I set everything. And it's harder for me to do that on the phone uh, camera. And so I'm a little frustrated with it because uh, I want to be able to control. But it's remarkable. And it is. Bolton uh, 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 is, is correct in every way. It's changed, you know, so much. Uh, of our contemporary society and what it is we see and what we think about and and what shapes us uh, too. So and I uh, so you know uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I kind of hate it too at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that too as Bolton was talking about that. Um, we've been flooded with images and it's some sublime images there, but. Uh, I I don't know if it, Sublime uh-huh. gets lost in the just the flow, the extreme yeah, flow the, of images. The clutter, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, before we end, we just have a couple minutes here left, uh, I want to have you talk just briefly, Craig Law, about uh, your images uh, from uh, Chesterfield. Is this Idaho? Yes. Uh, I was, I was uh, viewing just a couple of those. I really responded to those, and then uh, maybe kind of on the long, along the lines of... Uh, some of these uh, barns and structures, uh, you know, take me back to my grandparents, although a different place. You know, my grandparents are, uh, raised their family in western Utah, but uh, uh, my mind went to, went to heritage. I don't know where, where your uh-huh. mind went when you were making these photographs in Chesterfield. Yes, that was a, a delight. I, you know, uh, it was wonderful to uh, be a part of that uh, we did this book uh, that they used as a fundraiser, and I felt great being a part of that. They gave us kind of minimal funds, uh, I, uh, so I was just treated as one of the other historians, except I was doing the visual, you know, his, history work. And uh, and again, that 
you know, it was, you know, uh, photographing my my grandparents, uh, you know, generations of homes, or even earlier than that, I guess, great grandparents, um, uh, because Chesterfield, I think, is you know, uh, you know, an early Mormon Mormon settlement, and you know, it's uh, it was uh, planned on the structure that you know Brigham Young had for the the rural Mormon communities, where you know they'd have these villages. And the homes on the corners of the block, and then the rest outbuildings and pastures, and they'd have community. Everybody would be in the village, uh, you know, for their you know Sunday activities and for their evenings, and then they'd all go out and work in the fields in the surrounding areas. And so I thought about that a lot and how that shaped their lives and the more communal kind of feel that they had to that. Wanted to give that a sense of that, and uh, and. Uh, and then thought about that in terms of my own family a lot, like you, um, maybe, uh, and uh, how they, you know, worked and functioned, and and you know what those uh, small rural, rural rural villages gave people in terms of a social and a religious life uh, that they shared with with others, um, and uh, and being a part of a, a conservation preservation. Uh, project of that. Now when I go up there and they've rebuilt some of the structures that were partly falling apart and they uh, folks come up and do tours. It's I think it's a uh, Idaho State Historical uh, uh, site now. And uh, so it's, you know, that transition and, and encouraging that along doing, you know, what I could to, you know, help sell a few books that would, you know, add to the coffers of money that they've used now to do restoration. That was uh, a delight to be a part of. You're listening to uh, Utah Public Radio Access, Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with photographer Craig Law. He is a professor emeritus of photography at Utah State University. And uh, his, some of his work is included in an exhibition called Sky Above, Earth Below, a history of Western landscape photography. You can view photographs and take a virtual tour of that exhibition at artmuseum.usu.edu. We also talked with Bolton Colburn who is uh, curator of collections and exhibitions at the Art Museum. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk about uh, how the pandemic is affecting uh, inmates in jails and prisons during this pandemic. Uh, that's uh, Access Utah for today. Thanks for